Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Doing good? Yeah, I can tell, man, you guys have come to uh, worship today and glad you have. And I trust the very same is taking place at the campuses. Go ahead and welcome you guys and let you know how thrilled we are at what God is doing over there. Hey, um, I, I had this verse on my heart all weekend, Psalm 33, 12. Blessed is the nation whose Lord is God. Isn't that a great verse for 4th of July weekend? I mean, how many of you, you just, you just love the United States of America? You love that you live in America. Yeah, absolutely. And honor those who serve our country and all. But I got to tell you, I love America, but I worry about America. Because blessed is the nation whose Lord is God. And uh, part of the reason we exist as a church is to lift high the name of Jesus, to lift him up as Lord, amen, Amen. to help call people and hopefully the nation back to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the principles on which this country was founded. And I've I've got some good news for you today. You have come on a day where you are going to be blessed. I just want to go ahead and promise you that because here's the deal. Um, Aaron McClurg is the Columbia campus pastor. And Aaron interviewed here about, uh, I think it's been about three or four months ago. And he interviewed, and we have a very intensive interview process uh, we bring candidates in for the entire weekend. They're here all weekend. They meet with different ministries and different pastors and different departments. And then they're here on Sunday. And then on Monday morning, we show up and all the staff gather. And that particular pastor is challenged, charged with, hey, bring the word. Just sling it and bring it. We have come on Monday morning to hear a word from the Lord. And it's always, always a good experience. Uh, this time that Pastor Aaron McClurg preached the word, the Holy Spirit kind of descended upon our staff, and it was anointed, and it was an incredible morning. And while we were experiencing it, as you're going to experience it today, the Lord spoke to my heart. I heard it just as clear as I've heard anything. The congregation needs to hear that message. And so today, Aaron McClurg is going to get up, and I just want to tell you, get ready. Buckle your seatbelts. Uh, you're going to see why folks from our church have said, I'm going to Columbia, literally, and they're, they're selling their homes, they're, they're, they're packing up and they're moving to Columbia. You're going to see why that's the case. This is an incredible leader. And let me just tell you a little bit about him as he gets ready to preach the word today. He was raised in a little town named Oakfield, New York. Anybody here know of Oakfield, New York? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, (laughs) About like Sumter, South Carolina. Um, Right between Buffalo and Rochester. You've heard of those places. Oh, yeah. Grew up in a Christian household, the middle of five children. Moved to Maiden, North Carolina. When I said this earlier, I I thought I knew most places in North Carolina. Where in the world is Maiden, North Carolina? Outside of Hickory and Charlotte. Got you. Thank you. Learn something new every day. When he was 19 years old, he moved there. When he was 20, he surrendered his life to Christ and basically God's calling upon his life to be in the ministry. After that, he moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Any Oklahoma people? Yeah, we have Oklahoma people. Um, check it out. Moved to uh, Tulsa. 
1994, he attended the Rima Bible School and uh, graduated and left for Montana, big sky country. Montana in June of 1997. He met his beautiful wife, Nicole, in Missoula, Montana in uh, 1997. Married her in 1999. Brother, you move fast. I don't blame you. Celebrated their 14th anniversary. 14th anniversary. Uh, yeah, give him a hand for that. 14 years. That's a long time. That's awesome. They have two beautiful girls, Kayla and Karis, who you will meet uh, later in the worship celebration. And um, he has served as the associate pastor for 18 years. Along the way, he and his wife have owned um, a couple construction companies. So he's uh, had one foot in the ministry and one foot in the marketplace, if you will. And the way he describes it, in his words, not mine, right here, he said, about two years ago, God started to stir their hearts and give them a vision for being a part of the church like they had always envisioned it, like they see when they read the scriptures. And uh, he said that when they came here and experienced you guys, the Global New Hope Movement, they knew right away that this was what God had started to stir their heart towards two years ago. So we're very, very excited about uh, Aaron being here, Nicole being here. We're very excited about those who are going to Columbia with them. And uh, grab those teaching notes. You got them on your way in. Grab those teaching notes. Grab that pen. And for now, though, because I told him, you guys are amazing to teach. Uh, I told him, I want you guys to give it up, New Hope style, and welcome Pastor Aaron McClurg to the stage of New Hope. Love you, Awesome. Man, I got to say hello anyways. I know he already addressed it, but I got to shout out to all my friends in Garner, all my friends at Sanford, all my friends up in Coffee House. Can I hear you? I can't hear you. I know you're shouting though. And everyone else across New Hope, I want to welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. And I just got, I might have to hold on to this so I don't just take off like a rocket. This pow. Help me, Jesus. If you knew what it took to get to this point right here in life, I'll tell you what, help me, Lord, to stick with my notes here. Stick with my notes. All right. No, I just want to say first and uh, right off the bat, this is an unbelievable experience. We have been welcomed by the New Hope family. We have been welcomed by the campuses. We have been welcomed by the staff. You guys are absolutely awesome. Give yourselves a hand. I am so thankful to be standing here on this stage right here where such great men and women of God present the word the way they do. I mean, the level of word that we hear around here is, is just off the charts. It's, it's just such an honor to be standing here with you. Uh, Pastor Benji said, now listen, New Hope is the best group of people to preach to on the planet. So he set the standard for you all, so you got to stick with me, all right? You don't want to make your pastor a liar today, do you? <laughs> no. Again, I just want to say thank you. This is an awesome opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Benji. Thank you, uh, Amy Lynn, for all that you do and everybody else on the staff. Guys, you have been an amazing family to be around. We may be leaving, but we're not really going anywhere. You know what I mean? In certain sense of the word. In other words, we're going to stay locked into the vision, to the goal, to the purpose of new hope. Amen? That's a good place to say amen. So 
a couple of months ago, I was sitting here, about four months ago when we got here, I was sitting here and Pastor Benji started preaching one of his messages and uh, he, he started talking about a question that I had had for several years that I was struggling with. It kind of was like, uh, I don't know if you've ever had one of those ceilings where you just kind of bounce to it and you can't get past it and it kind of stutter start or stutter step in life a little bit. And it, this was the question he said. He said when he was starting the church, when he's getting ready to launch church, people asked him, with a church on every corner in America, why do we need another church? And I thought, oh, you got my attention. I want to know what your answer is. And so he said this, and it was really simple. He said, because people matter to God. Therefore, they matter to us. And I thought, that's it. All those years I struggled, it was that simple. (laughs) But praise God for my pastor anyways, because it might have been simple, but it hit me so hard. It instantly made me realize that's exactly it. People matter to God. And until they're all reached, I'll add that our job's not done, is it? Until every single one of them has heard and come to know the the love of Christ, it's not over. He said, why are we starting a church? Because people matter to God, therefore they matter to us. And I just, that just kind of stirred me. It locked me in even more so than what I was at the time. I was like, yeah, this is good, but it went to a whole nother level there honor my pastor again i just put plugs in there all service (laughs) a whole nother level that's his wording not mine but anyway see and this is what i want to talk to you about today is that people matter pastor benji when he preached last week about the value that is set on people i thought man he is setting this up because how many of you know the blood of jesus not one drop of it was ever spilled for a piece of land no matter what the view It was never spilled for an amount of gold and silver or anything like that. The only thing that was worth him spilling his blood was human beings. The the lyrics of that song there, they they say, because I just want something beautiful to touch me. I know that I'm in reach because I'm down on my knees and I'm waiting for something beautiful to touch me. And there's two different ways you can look at that song. You can look at it from the perspective of we're, we're believers and we're just waiting on God and we're saturated in his presence and we're waiting for his anointing and, and it's good when God visits us in times of prayer and, and refreshing and all that and we're touched, right? But then there's a whole other side of it where what if there's people in this world that might not know what they're looking for, but they are desperately looking for something beautiful, something different than what they've seen, something fresh, something good to come their way. I wonder how many times we come in contact with people every day that are looking and they're searching for someone to touch their lives. They're looking for something different than what they've ever seen before. I wonder how many people you've passed by this week that were down on their knees, and maybe some of them don't even know it, and they're looking for something. As we get ready to to read the word together, I'm going to read from one passage in Acts chapter 3. If you would just stand in honor of, of the word, is that okay with you? If it's not okay, you can sit. You're not going to offend me. It's all right. It's all right. Acts chapter 3, we're going to read verse 1 through 8. Are you ready? And I'll just read it. You follow along. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. As you're standing right here, if you would, just bow your heads and pray with me. Father, as we come before you in this moment and in this hour, God, as it's been prayed so many times from this platform, I ask that you would speak through my lips. Lord, that your thoughts would come through my my head and that your heart would come out in everything that I say. Father, if I don't lean on you, nothing I have to say can help a human being. So, Lord, I ask for that precious anointing and that gift that you put on our words as human beings. And you allow them to pierce into the hearts, pierce into lives, to help, to rescue, to challenge, and to change. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want to set the stage for you here. We're not going to bounce around a whole lot. Just that one story right there. Life is busy, isn't it? Yeah. I want to commend you all for being here. Life is busy, isn't it? I mean, life gets in the way of life sometimes, doesn't it? Like, you almost get too busy sometimes to do what you wanted to do, right? Have you ever looked at your, like, to-do list on your Mac or whatever and go, seriously, are you kidding me? I don't know if you're anything like me. I'm not a, I haven't in the past been a big computer fan and uh, every day those reminders come up telling me why I didn't need that thing in the first place. But I'm getting there, all right? But see, so many people would talk about the healing and the, the power of God demonstrated in that healing and, and all that. But I want to break it down and I want to back up to the first things first because I think we miss out on a, a real significant part of the story if we just skip to the end of what God did and we don't realize the steps that got it got this story to that point. So first things first, uh, you know our lives are busy, all right? But Peter and John were building the church. I don't mean a church. I mean like building the New Testament. Here it goes. Ready or not, we're launching this puppy. Uh, Whether you're qualified, whether you're studied up, whether you're prayed up, it don't matter. Here you go, John. Here you go, Peter. Here you go, some others. And people were being added to the church daily it wasn't like ooh, we had a bump no daily okay okay and 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 so you got all these stuff is happening momentum's taking place miracles are taking place they're busy i mean they you think your daily reminders are something their ipads their their iphones they're going off left and right they're like what in the world john's like come on we got to get to the church it's the ninth hour whatever hour that is but it's time for prayer they might have been leading the prayer service i don't know they might but they were busy okay you got my point because i gotta breathe hold on Sorry. You can think about that while I catch my breath. 
There's momentum. These are some important dudes in the church. You with me? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're on their way to do what God's called them to do. Listen to me. And Peter notices a person. Now he's moving with the crowd on the way into the church. Are you with me? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Peter notices a person. He notices some. Peter wasn't going to let the importance of his ministry override the value of a person. Come on now. You can amen me all day. It's all right. I'll take it. Let me say that again. It felt so good. Peter wasn't letting the importance of his ministry override the value of the person. I think this is an awesome example because sometimes we can get so busy doing things for God that we don't have time to be used by God. It's so easy to get caught up in our to-do list. Our eye stuff is screaming at us. You got to do this. You got to be here. You got to go there. You got to do this. You, this, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, it's just screaming at us. We, we can get so caught up in that. We can get so caught up in it that we forget that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're here to be used by God. Folks, Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Now, you get in a bass boat, and that puppy will do 75 miles an hour skipping across the lake. But how many of you know you don't fish at that speed? Right? You're going to go through a lot of lures if you try, man. Poop, there goes that one. Right? Those little things can't wiggle that fast, can they? But... It, but here's the thing. When you get that kind of momentum, you can get from one place to, the, to another quickly, but you don't fish at that speed. You fish at a very slow, conservative, steady movement, don't you? Yes. Guys, Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard and we shouldn't have goals and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But this, this is the point I'm trying to make. If we don't watch out, we will gauge our success based on what we got done instead of how many people we reached. Come on. We will, we will, we will gauge our success by what we got done instead of who got reached, who got touched. And I love that about Peter. It's a beautiful thing when Peter frees up the space between his ears with everything he's got to get done and he focuses on somebody other than himself. You can just look straight forward. Nobody know I'm talking to you when I say this. Ready? When was the last time you were not the only thing on your mind? When we catch a heart to serve people and get a hold of people, when people become more important than programs and everything else, we've got to ask ourselves, when was the last time I had someone else on my mind. See, in verse 4, Peter fixed his eyes on the man. I love that. Down in the south, right now, where we are, we, we have this phrase, we're fixing to. I'm fixing to. No, you ain't either. I may be from New York, but I know what fixing to means. Honey, when are you going to take out the trash? I'm fixing to. No, you ain't either. Honey, when are you going to mow the lawn? I'm fixing to. Uh-uh. Fixing to is like the preacher 
that got up on a Sunday morning and said, you know what, I believe the Lord wants me to start teaching on the sin of procrastination. So I'm going to wait till next week to start that. <laughs> no, he didn't fit. I got a buddy down in Texas. They shorten it right up. Fitting to. It's F-T-N. Fitting. <laughs> I'm fitting to. That means you ain't, sorry, but you ain't doing it. You know what I mean? Fixing to doesn't actually ever get it done. But he didn't fixin' to focus on this guy. He said, he, the Bible says he fixed his eyes on him. And I love that because, listen to this, it allowed for the pause in life. When was the last time you allowed for a pause in your life? When was the last time you de-planned an hour of your day and said, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Wouldn't it be miraculous if we took an hour or 40 minutes or we said, Lord, I don't usually go to that coffee shop, but you want me to? See, this isn't a glance. This isn't a, well, watch this. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> this isn't a, there you are. It's not. We do, come on, we do that. It's kind of Christianese, but we do it like, hey, how are you? We don't really care. It's just a different way to say hello. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest, okay? <laughs> That's why we should say hello, not say what you mean. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? This isn't a glance. This isn't a passing. This isn't a nonchalant. This is a wait a minute. I'm going to fix my eyes. The Bible says he fixed his eyes on the man. Everything's going on around him. Everything. People are probably walking all around, but out of the entire crowd, he sees a face. The word fix here means to allow to come into focus. Have you ever stared at something? My kids did this once. They're like, Dad, if you stare at something long enough, everything else goes blurry. I was like, kids, don't do that anymore. You're freaking me out, okay? They're like, no, it works. It really does. It's like, don't do that, guys. You'll hurt yourself. Have you ever known somebody like this that you can be in a room full of people and when they stop and they meet you and they greet you and they say hello and even if you don't know them that well, they make you feel like you're the only person on earth? Yeah. That's what Peter's doing here with this man. He's fixed on him. So powerful when we allow ourselves to be fixed on someone else instead of on ourselves. When was the last time you walked through a crowd and noticed a person. How many times do we see a crowd and we fail to see a single person? It's kind of like that saying, you can't see the trees for the forest. Sometimes we can't see the people for the crowd. Nothing wrong with crowds. Something wrong with focus. Amen? The truth is we walk by people every day and we never see them. Have you ever done this at night when you're laying down on your, on your bed at night getting ready to go to sleep? And it's like those last final moments where, uh, where you have nothing else going on and you're going through that checklist in your head. Did I get this done? Did I get this done? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Cool. All right. I got that done. And then you think, oh, I didn't get that done. So you get up and you get on your iPhone and you set yourself a note for tomorrow. Then you go back to bed and... You, you think it, and you, you feel pretty good because why? I got everything done I needed to get done today. Well, what if God was the one having that conversation with you? And he said, hey, um, did you notice that one guy today? Do you, do you remember when, when you got stuck in traffic and you had to go a different route and you went to a store that you didn't normally go to and you're walking in and out cussing because it took you extra time? And 
do you remember the lady that was behind the cash register? Did, did you mention me to her? What if, what if our checklist was more like that? Guys, we can't reach people unless we can clear some space between our ears and think about something other than ourselves. Here's, here's another little, little nugget here. It says that he laid him at the gate daily. And I can't help but do wonder, how many times does God have to put the same people in our sight before we recognize them? How many people are you actually trying to avoid that God keeps putting in front of you? Again, look forward. Nobody will know I'm talking to you. Seriously. Oh, God, not them. Oh, dear Jesus. You know, because some people are messed up, right? I mean, we'll say it. Some, people, some of y'all are going to be like, you're pretty messed up. That's fine. That's fine. I can take it. I can take it. Some people get messed up, like supernaturally messed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, with all our faith and our walk with the Lord, we're like, Lord, you got to get this one. I ain't got nothing to do with that one, man. <laughs> I'll reach just not that one. I'll reach something else, okay? <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Some people get messed up, you know what I mean? But I love the progression of this story because uh, the Bible says he was laid daily, and whatever, for whatever reason, this is the day that Peter recognized him. And then he does something, he steps in between the man, and I believe he was stepping in between the man and God, and he was saying, and he said this, look at us, look at us, look at us. I love what Peter's doing here because it represents to me that he's not afraid of someone examining his life. It's kind of like our culture of leadership around here and and our culture that we've created around New Hope that we have a, a culture of transparency, don't we? I can't tell you how many people I've run into on every campus across this whole movement. And you've all said, the reason I'm here is because the people are real. I can't tell you how many people I've run into that said, I look for pastors. I never found one until I met him. Because he's real. Can I, come on, can we get an amen in this house? It's a culture of transparency. Here's the reality. When you have a heart to genuinely help people, you won't be afraid of what people will find when they examine your life. Come and see. Come and see. Taste and see the Lord is good. Follow me as I have followed Christ. I mean, am I perfect? (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. Make sure my wife does not have a mic, okay? Of course I'm not perfect, but I'm not scared either. Right? Right? That lifestyle, that culture of transparency. The other thing that's happening is this, is you got to get people to look at something other than their problems. Look at me. No, really, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. How fast can you say it? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Okay. When you get people to look at you, see, a lot of people are focused on their problem and everything else is going blurry, right? So when you say, hey, brother, sister, hey, look at me. Look at us. Look at, look at what we represent. What you're doing is you're getting them for just a moment to take their focus off their problem and see that maybe there's something out there that can touch their lives, can change their lives. Getting them to look at something other than their problem. Look at me. It's kind of like this when you're encouraging people. You're like, come on, 
You can do this. Come on. Look at me. No, no, don't look at, don't look at what's going on. Don't look at your past. Don't look at all that garbage. This is a new season in your life. This is something God's doing. I'm talking to somebody right now. This is a new thing that God wants to do in your life. I don't care where you came from or what you've been told, but God's got something good for you. Follow us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Don't look at your problem. Don't look down at your situation. Come on. Pick your eyes up and see that the Lord's doing something in your life. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's important to get around people to encourage you because their perspective is so much different than yours. I love it when people start talking to me about what God's doing in my life. It's always news to me. Like, really? (laughs) I didn't know that. You know? And you kind of fake it like, yeah, all right, amen. You know? But you have no clue. It's important to be around people like that. (laughs) Peter says... You're messing with me now. Peter says, he gets his eyes off his problem, then he does something really crazy. This is where Peter, I just love Peter's heart. Because at this point, I believe he's so engaged that he's thinking in his mind, if God doesn't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not leaving this place until this guy has seen and, and has seen Jesus, has had something change in his life. I believe that's transpiring in his heart. And he says, silver and gold I do not have. Well, good, Peter, then get out of my way so I can get some money because I'm a beggar and I need some dough, okay? (laughs) But he's standing there and he goes, hey, I don't have what you're looking for. (laughs) And John's like, dude, I am out of here, man. Get me gone, you know? But listen, what Peter's doing here is he's saying, I may not have what you think you need, but I know the one you do need. Come on. He says, see, because here's the thing. Um, sometimes people think they need, what they think they need is not really what they need at all. Because mama and grandmama and daddy and granddaddy and everybody else is programmed, programmed to think you were born into this culture. You were born into this place. You are this color. You are this level of education. This is your limit. This is your max. This is it. This is all you ever get to. And they live only expecting what they've learned. And Peter's saying, no, what you think you need is not really your solution at all. Let me give you what you need. And he says, I don't have what you thought you needed, but I do have something. And he hand delivered a hot plate full of gravy of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to him and said, this is what you really need. This, he said, listen, folks, when it comes down to it, we got to give them Jesus up here. Forget the bananas. You got it. That's what it comes down to. You've got, this is crazy love. This is a man that's being overtaken in the moment saying, I got to help this person. Oh, that God would create in each one of us that ability to see a person's face and recognize the eternal value that that represents. He knew he knew he had. The point here is this, guys. Do you remember when Jesus was enough? Come on. When it wasn't about a book, it wasn't about a program or an event or a building or anything else. Not that any of those are bad. We need them all. They're tools. But ultimately, it all comes back to Jesus. 
Do you remember when Jesus was enough? You say, well, I don't know how to do that. Not every one of us, if we've come to the knowledge of Christ, have a testimony of when we didn't deserve it, God forgave us. When we didn't deserve his touch, he touched us. When we cursed our, and shook our hands at God, he said, I love you and I'll never leave you. Come on, am I the only one that's ever had a rough spell? That's what you give people. It's the testimony of how good God has been to you and me. You want to see what that looks like? All right. Well, I got this box up here. It's a, the reason it's a banana box is because we're moving in two days, all right? And these are the best boxes you can get, all right? Because typically, if, you're anything, if, you, if your wife's anything like mine, she'll fill a box something like that back there. And she'll get it filled and say, okay, honey, load it. And I'll be like, what? So we came up with this because I don't care what she puts in there. It's, it's too small to be too heavy. And I needed a box today, so it was a banana box anyways. All right, so I'm going to show you practically what this looks like, all right? Y'all don't tell them what I'm doing over there and over there, all right? All right? Oh, wait. How do you guys wear these? Ready? Ha! Oh, you think I'm crazy, but there's kids that their lives have been changed because they said, Mama, look at that. <laughs> Come on. I'll show you what else it looks like. Oh, this is a good one. You know what this looks like, right? Come on. Come on. How many of you wearing this right now? Here to serve. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like. What does it look like? What does it look like to, to give people Jesus? Oh, this is a good... Hmm, which one? Okay, I'm going to do this one. I don't know, but there's a town about 30 miles from here, maybe a little longer, and they don't understand what coffee is. Okay? It's a town called Garner, and those folks, <laughs> those folks go crazy over something like that. Oh, let's see. You see that right there? There it is. That's right there for you, Garner. I've had a chance to visit them. I said, can I have some coffee? And they gave me this. I'm like. <laughs> and it's so, uh, nothing against y'all, but do you know how much sugar's in here? <laughs> I'm telling you, seriously, you might, I think it's brown sugar in water. <laughs> it's funny. You can tell we're not from the South because when we go to Chick-fil-A or something, we say, can we have some unsweet tea? And they go, huh? I and they call the manager, I can't find the button. Where's the button for unsweet tea? <laughs> uh, all right, what else we got? we got? Hold on, hold on. This is good. Don't you fall on me. I'm going to put this down so it doesn't fall. All right, so we have another campus that I've come to love last week. It was extremely difficult for me. Coffee house. <sighs> yes. This is how we love folks in coffee house. I think next week there'll be a boost in coffee house. <laughs> Somebody said, why don't you serve something that's more nutritious? Because this is so good. <laughs> I'm from New York, man. The next level up from here is a bagel. As long as it's got icing. You know what I mean? All right. So, and then oh, I got to set this up. I don't know if you all know that in our midst at the Sanford campus... 
is a man straight, sent straight from God himself. <laughs> He's become a good friend of mine and to my family. He's the kind of guy that when you're around him, Nate, I know you're listening. And he's here with me today, so there you go, <laughs> Pastor Nate. But when you get around him, you just know that he knows God. He's been a huge blessing to me, a huge blessing to my wife. He's become a friend, a family member. But he has this thing. Oh, this is so good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. I don't have a fork. Are you kidding me? I don't know. Can you get a shot of that? Oh. This is Ted Sloan's mama's chocolate pie. Isn't it? That's mama's chocolate pie, right, Ted? Yes. And you don't... Oh, thank you, Jesus. Pastor Benji, you're going to have to finish out. I can't do this. (laughs) So good. It's all right. I don't need a fork. I'll, I'll, I'll save it. Uh, maybe I'll split it with, with him later on, but uh, let me put this back in the box. Guys, why did I show you all that? You, well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. <laughs> Here's the point. When you serve people, you are serving them Jesus. And you know, it doesn't matter what the method is. The method is not sacred. The message is sacred. Years ago, I heard Tommy Barnett speaking, and he said, it's not the method that's sacred. It's the message that's sacred. Guys, we take stinking brown sugar and water. Call it sweet tea. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. You know that. But it doesn't matter what method we use. When we use whatever's culturally relevant, whatever reaches people, we, and we serve people with it, we are serving people Jesus. Did you get that? See, here's, I want you, uh, this better go out on a tweet, okay? I don't know if you all know me, but I've tweeted four times in my life. I think this is going to be a good one. I'm not sure about it yet. Oh, I I wish I hadn't set it up that way. I'm sorry. Uh, No. See, we think we are serving people at New Hope. But when we catch a heart for people, we end up serving people a new hope. You can serve somebody somewhere, but what are you serving them? He said, silver and gold have I none, such as I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. But listen to this. This is the last place I'm going. And then I have three closes. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Forgot where I was. No, I didn't. (laughs) Notice at this point, nothing happened. Oh, he's done all the right things. Aaron, he did everything you preached on. Now what? (laughs) Nothing happened at this point. What do you do? What do you do when all the Christian protocol has been followed? The message is out there. The songs have been sung. The stage is set. It's ready. And yet nothing happened. Come on. Oh, you don't want to think about it. You're like, some of y'all are freaking out right now. Like, oh, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) I ain't going to try that. But here's what happened. One step further. The Bible says that he reached out and took him by the hand. 
This shows me that he is so convinced at this point that I refuse to let you stay where you're at. If I got to pick you up myself and I got to carry you for a while, then bless God, so be it. Let's go. Come on. Get up on my shoulders and I'll drag you to church. I'll bring you to the temple. You're going to the prayer meeting with me. I refuse to let you stay in the situation you're in. If I got to grab you myself, I'm going to. But here's what happened. This is the, that's what happens inside of the heart of a person that, that's full of compassion and just, and just wants to help. What happened, though, is that as Peter reached through that little moment in time, maybe for you it's walking across the room. Maybe for you it's going by an office you always avoid. Maybe for you it's, it's finally realizing that the person that God keeps putting in front of you is the one he wants you to reach. Maybe, but it's that breaking that boundary of taking a step and reaching out of our comfort zone down to where people are actually at and saying, I'm here to help. And what happened? This is awesome. What happened was when Peter's hand reached, God's hand touched. I will. I said Peter's hand reached, but God, God's hand touched the man. What would happen with us if when we reached with the heart of compassion like that, we focused on the fact that people matter, we began to reach out to people and God began to touch people? Isn't that how we got here? Amen. That's how we got here. Pastor Benji uh, referred to our, us coming here. When we came here uh, for the interview process, backing up to that a couple days, uh, my wife and I had got a random call to go to New York and uh, to preach at a church. It was pretty random. We hadn't been back there in a couple of years, maybe four or five years. And uh, we decided to go because I don't know if you know me or not, but I enjoy preaching. So uh, if anybody calls me, I've preached in chicken coops before, man. I just go for it, you know. Uh, they said, would you come? I said, sure. So we were in New York. And the whole time we're in New York, we're just kind of like, uh, what are we doing here? You know, I knew, I knew we were there to preach, but I just had, I felt like we had something more, some reason to be there. And I actually spoke similar, very similar to this message there. And at the end of the service on a Sunday afternoon, this young lady came up to me at the end of the service. And she caught my attention. I don't know why. I'm not sure. I, maybe I was just, I just got done preaching this, so I was paying attention. I don't know. But I was really paying attention to her, and I asked her, what is it you want? And she looked right at me, and she said, I want to know God the way you know God. And I said, well, man, have you ever heard the gospel? So I took two minutes and preached the gospel. And when I shared with her, she just began tears running down her face, thinking that a God that could love her that way. And I said, would you like to accept Christ? And she said, oh, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience where it's not just a, a silent prayer. It's not just a, just a quiet moment. But it's one of those glorious transformations. I mean, she went from not knowing God to just like, I was like, repeat after me. You know, I'm doing the tip. She just went with it. Like she just took off praying and I just stood there like, tell me when you're done. It was awesome. It was a glorious transformation. It was fantastic. So we got on a plane. We left. We were on a layover in Detroit. And we had to get home the next day because we had arranged for a Skype interview with Pastor Benji and Pastor Amy Lynn. And that was the first time I had ever been introduced to Pastor Benji. I really didn't know anything about him. And uh, 
on that tarmac, I got a, a text and I called and um, that young lady, about six hours after I had that moment with her, on her way home, got in a head-on crash with another couple cars. And from what I can understand, the story is that she, she suffered a bad, several injuries, but to her leg and in the middle of the road there in western New York, the blood left her body and she stepped off of planet Earth. And I got that message and I didn't know whether to turn around and go back to New York to help people or get home to Montana so I could get on the Skype interview and you're on a phone or on an airplane so you can't do anything. And we decided to go home. We got to Montana. We got to bed about one o'clock that night. And because of time frames and East Coast, West Coast and all that, my wife and I got up at about 4.30. We showered, we got ready. We didn't say a whole lot that morning, just trying to process everything. And, uh, you know, let me stop here just for a second. Some would say, why did that happen? Why did that happen? You know, all I can see is the grace of God in all of that. Because if that was the young lady's last day on earth, thank God. Thank God. Thank God that Jesus loved her enough to show up that day. And so we got on the Skype interview and, uh, We were there with Pastor Benji and Amy Lynn, and we're all talking, and we hadn't had much sleep. We hadn't had much going on, and uh, he asked me a series of questions. You know, we did the, the hello, how you doing, and he asked a couple of questions, and he got to one particular question, and I thought, there's only one way I can answer this question. And I said, I, I know I'm supposed to be professional, and I'm supposed to impress everybody and all that stuff, but I just got to tell you what just happened. It's the best way I can answer that question. And I shared with him the story that had just taken place not even 12 hours or so before. And I'll never forget what he did. He went just like this towards Amy Lynn and he said, Amy Lynn, I know we're busy. And I know we got a lot to do. We got other interviews, but I got to spend some time with these people. And he focused on me. And I don't say that just just to say it. What nobody knew, nobody knows in this room other than my wife was that was a moment in time where I was the guy on my knees. And I had been reaching for people to help him and help him and help him. And I hadn't got a lot of help in a long time. Lived in a place where you just didn't have a whole lot of upward relationships. You know what I mean? As I'm reaching to people, I I need to be reaching towards people. And I needed somebody in my life. And I'll just tell you the truth. If he would have blown me off that day, I don't know if I'd be standing here. Because I was looking for a new hope in life. I was looking. I was looking for someone that could help me believe that this church could really exist. And this place could really be what I had dreamed of in my heart. And that day, I came encounter with a brand new hope. And because of that, I'm here. And I thank God that that's our our roots, that's our culture, that's our leadership around here. That people genuinely matter to God. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for this opportunity today. I thank you for all that you do. Lord, I thank you for your precious word. 
God, I ask that this would be a word that we live by, not just a word we heard one day. I ask, Lord, for those that are in this room right now that are looking, they may be on their knees. They might be reaching. They might be looking for something beautiful. Father, I pray that we would do our best as a church as they come in and out of these doors to give them Jesus in all that we do. I thank you, Father, that your word doesn't come back void. I pray for those today that are in a position to be used by you. Father, I pray again that this word would just be in their lives and be in their heart and be in their minds. And on Monday morning, Lord, we'd go by that office that we've been avoiding. We'd be going to that place that we've been avoiding. We'd stop by, Lord, help us to follow those little promptings of the Holy Spirit that don't just take us to places, but take us to people. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do, and I ask you to bless this movement as you already have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you'd like to financially support the movement of New Hope Church, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.